Hi, you're listening to Taming the Terminal Part 9 of N, Controlling Processes. This series of discussions is based on a collection of tutorials I wrote over at bartb.ie forward slash ttt. This originally aired as part of Nozillacast episode 439 hosted at podv.com. I'm Bart Bouchotts and the other voice you're about to hear is Alison Sheridan, host of the Nozillacast podcast. Anywho, now we get to do fun stuff. Yay! So when last we left our terminal series, we had looked at looking at processes. And so now it's time to start, you know, creating and destroying them. (laughs) Cool. And the creating, actually, we've been doing without realizing it like forever. So every time you open an app, well, you've just created a new process. And in fact, every time you type a command in the terminal, you're creating a new process. So you type ls. The ls process is created. ls does its thing, prints out its results, and then the ls process finishes. PS, top, all of these things are just processes. We've actually been starting processes all along. Uh, what we, Because we've only been doing it sort of in the normal way, what we've been doing is starting a specific type of process called a foreground process. So when you start a foreground process, you enter some sort of command, you hit enter. The process then has control of your terminal window. It does its thing, and when it finishes, your command prompt comes back. Now, for stuff like ls and ps that take microseconds to run, you don't notice that. But sometimes you actually don't want to give up control of your terminal window to the process you've just started because maybe you actually want to do two things at once. And a good example of this is if you use the terminal to launch a GUI app, you don't actually want your terminal window to be useless until you quit the GUI app. You'd sort of like to launch the GUI app and continue using your terminal window. Wait, you actually lost me there. With the terminal, you can launch a GUI app? Yes, because GUI apps are just apps, are just processes, you know. Okay. So. Okay. All right. I'll keep, um, I'll keep listening. Okay. Well, we're going to, we're going to, at this stage, we're actually going to stop and we're going to say that, uh, let's do an example. Let's, let's actually okay. show what I'm talking about. So for this example to work, we need to have certain prerequisites. Um, you need to be on OS 10. So you, if you're on Linux following along, you need to, you can't do this exact example. Sorry. Um, but the, the concepts are all correct and the commands we talk about all work the same way, but this exact example doesn't work. You need to have Firefox installed and you need to not be running it right now. Ooh. So if you are running Firefox, turn it off. Okay. So then you can copy and paste the command to start Firefox from the terminal into your terminal and hit enter. And you'll see that it just launches like normal. Hmm. Okay. So I'm looking at the look, command look. is slash application slash firefox.app slash content slash macOS slash firefox dash bin. Yeah. So Firefox bin is actually the Firefox binary or in other words, the Firefox actual app. And okay. it's hidden inside an app container. So that's just OS X's way of packaging apps. Um, so when you run that, Firefox will start. So I'll just go ahead and hit enter. Uh, here it comes. Yes, it did. Huh. And it's a normal Firefox window. You can interact with it as normal. But look what's happened to your terminal window. It's waiting. It's waiting. And you can hammer enter there. You can try it there. Hit enter five or six times. You're not getting your prompt back. I don't like that. Yeah. You'll also notice actually that Firefox gave some some feedback, some output that you normally wouldn't see when you double-click to launch it. So it's telling you some things it's doing, which is maybe of interest to people. Probably not. Um, uh, so if you want your terminal back, you've got to close Firefox. So if you just go Firefox quit, you'll get your prompt back. So go ahead okay. and do that. Yeah, I did. Okay, so now you understand why foreground processes have their downsides. When you launch a foreground process, it takes over until it finishes and then hands control back to you. 
What's the definition of a foreground process in here? One that does that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Annoying. All right. Well, most of the time it's fine. Like LS is a foreground process, but because it takes milliseconds, we really don't care that for those few milliseconds it was figuring out what was in the current folder. We really don't care that we weren't able to type a command because we we couldn't even blink that quickly. Okay. But if you're launching Firefox, you'd kind of like Firefox to stay open and your terminal to stay functional. Okay. So the other type of process you might guess is a background process. Let's do that. Foreground, background, right? So to background a process, you simply start it in the normal way, but you stick the ampersand symbol onto the end. And that tells the terminal that you'd like it in the background, please. So, so, so Firefox itself is not a foreground or background process. It's the way you had us launch it. Exactly. So Using Firefox-bin? Yeah. So, yeah, so it, it, if you launch something from the terminal, by default, the terminal hands control over to what you've just started. Oh, okay. And then waits to get it back. So if you tell the terminal, I want you to start this, but not to keep watching it, just to let it go on its own and you know, come back to me and ignore it, you need to background it. Okay. So you just stick the ampersand symbol. So if you take exact the same command again, and ampersand, then hit enter, you'll see that yep. Firefox launches just like before. And it looks like you've lost control of your terminal, but just hit the enter key once. Actually, mine came back right to the prompt all by itself. Okay. Uh, okay. It may have done that. It depends on, on sometimes, sometimes when, when things issue output, it may look like you don't have your prompt. Okay. No, it went right back to the prompt. So that worked. So you'll see that it gave you the same output as last time, but there's actually one more line. So if you scroll right up, the very first thing after you hit enter with the ampersand is it said open square bracket, a number, close square bracket, space, and then another number. Um, Not exactly. It says square bracket 2, 17, 597, and then on the next line it says square bracket 1, done. Oh, okay, because you, that's interesting. It sounds like you did it twice then. I did. Oh, sorry. So the first time it just said square bracket one seventeen five ninety four. Okay, so what that means is that the one in square brackets is the count of the how many background processes has this terminal started, which was one the first time and two the second time, and then the number after it was the process ID of the newly created background process. Okay, why does it say square bracket one done? Because when the other one finished, it tells you that it's finished. So we now have Firefox open. You have your client prompt. Let's now go file quit on Firefox. Mm-hmm. And now hit enter again, and it should say two done. Two plus done. Okay, sorry, there's always a plus in there. I forgot about that. Okay. Uh, so it's just telling you that you've started something in the background, and when it finished, it just lets you know, by the way, that thing you started like, you know, an hour or two ago, that's done now. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Okay. And that's really all there is to starting stuff in the background. So you didn't talk much about the the syntax of how we just started that application. Was that necessary, or this was just we don't I just need to know about that? I just okay. needed something to show you the difference between a background and a foreground process, and okay. why we might want a background process. Um, okay. Actually, because of what we're going to talk about in just a few minutes, it's actually very difficult to find a good example in OS X. If you're in Linux world, every single GUI app can be launched this way. <laughs> On the Mac, there's actually a better way to launch GUI apps, which is why it's really hard to find a Linuxy one. And the reason I use Firefox is because Firefox is a Linux app that's been ported to the Mac. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Now, well, just while we were there, while I was tinkering with Firefox, I just thought as a little aside, it might be interesting to mention that there actually can be really good reasons to launch GUI apps from the command line, because it means you can pass them flags. 
So a very, very simple example, if you want to know what version of Firefox you're running without actually launching Firefox, which if you have 5 million tabs like I do, could be quite an ordeal. If you type that giant big glop of a command and then put space minus minus version on the end and hit enter, it'll just tell you what version of Firefox you have without actually starting the Firefox GUI. Ooh, without the ampersand then. Well, there's no need. Well, you can put the ampersand in if you like, but it doesn't really make much difference because the process is going to run for like a millisecond. Okay, so it says Mozilla Firefox 21. Oh, tut tut. Someone's, someone's had a date by three versions of Firefox. Well, I just opened it and it should have auto-updated, Bart. That's not my fault. It probably is. It probably will if you leave it alone for a couple of minutes. But of course, we've been starting and stopping it like Billio. Um, and there's actually, sometimes it can be quite useful. Um, so if you type that same command again, but instead of minus minus version, put minus H for help, it will actually list all of the different options it can take. And you can actually have multiple instances of Firefox running at the same time with different profiles, which can be handy if you want to test something with all of your plugins disabled. So I actually use the profile manager to create a clean Firefox profile and a Firefox profile with all my glop in it. And if something's being buggy, I'll launch it in the clean Firefox um, profile. And so you use these command line options described here in minus minus H to do that. Now, as I say, I'm just, this is just an aside, so we'll leave it at that. Why do you keep saying minus minus? You only have to use one minus. Yeah, there's only one H, yeah. It's but minus even, minus version, but nope, minus H. No, nope, version is minus also. Yeah, it works with minus minus. Right, but it works without it. In fact, it works as just minus V. I just learned from that help file. Mm. Look at me learning. So Look at me yeah, go, girl. <laughs> so anyway, uh, in Linux land, this kind of ampersand thing is the normal way to launch an app. And in fact, in Linux land, you wouldn't have to use that giant big glop of a path. In Linux land, you just say Firefox dash bin ampersand. Ah, because it just knows where Firefox probably should be. Exactly, because that's the normal way to launch stuff in Linux land. Now, in Mac land, that's not the normal way, which is why we have to do it the big, long, explicit way. So the Mac has something that Linux doesn't. It's a really cool command called open. And the open command you can think of as being the same as double-clicking on something. Oh, Okay. So if you want to open a Mac app, you simply type open space slash applica- applications slash whatever the name of the app is, dot app, and hit enter. So if you want to launch Safari, you would simply say open space slash applications slash Safari dot app, enter. And the open command has an added bonus, backgrounds automatically. So you don't even have to remember the ampersand. Nice. And the open command is very handy. So as well as being able to launch apps with the open command, you can also open documents with the open command. And it will be as if you double-click them in the finder. So if it's a JPEG and you don't have anything else installed, it'll open in preview. Or maybe you have Photoshop installed and it'll open in Photoshop. It'll open in whatever it would open in if you double-click it in the finder. Ah. It can also open folders. And the way it opens a folder is it opens the finder at that location. So let's say that you've navigated to some really difficult part of the file system and you want to see it in the finder. Type open space dot enter, and a finder window will pop up in the current working directory of your terminal. Okay, sorry, I got a little distracted because Firefox started updating itself, and all this glop started coming up onto my screen. It was doing debugging and missing things, and <laughs> oh, good, actually, that's, that that reminds me of something that's in the show notes that I forgot to say. When you background an app, if it if it's an app that outputs text, it'll still output the text. <laughs> It's just going to come out in the middle of everything else you're doing. Yeah, it sure do. I'm just all of a sudden it's like parsing will be abandoned, break on CPF property listing, missing semicolon to debug. Okay. Mm. I'm sorry. Hey, don't worry about that. Most most apps are quite talkative if you launch okay. them this way. Okay. So sorry, I missed you right after, let's see, you were saying you could open uh, files. Yeah. And you can and also open folders. Ah. So 
If you if you go into your documents folder, so CD space tilde slash documents with a capital D, you can just say open space, you know, my document dot doc or my PDF dot PDF or whatever files you have in there. And they're just opening whatever app they would open in it, be that Word or PowerPoint or not PowerPoint for you, that's never gonna happen. <laughs> Preview, text edit, whatever you whatever it is. All right. Okay. So just open it if you double click them, which is very handy. Uh, but you can also open folders. And so if you open a folder, it opens in a finder window. So you could open up your home folder by saying open space tilde. It'll just open up your home directory. Not all that exciting, maybe. But let's say that you've just spent ages navigating around the file system to find some secret little hidden folder deep in your library or something. And you're in the right place, and you now want to get a finder window there. Instead of navigating there again, just type open space dot and hit enter. And it will open the current directory in the finder. Um, as of recent versions of OS X, the library folder is hidden. A really quick way to get in there is type open space tilde library. <laughs> uh, tilde space library? Not slash? It's open, sorry, it's tilde slash library with slash a capital library. L. It's, it's in the show notes there. Okay. Finally, the last nice thing about the open command is, so by default it's like double clicking. But there's, it also takes a flag, which is minus A, which allows you to specify what app it should use to open whatever it is you'd like oh. to open. Ooh, so as an example, I do a lot of Perl programming, and I have two editors installed. I have a big IDE called Komodo Edit. It's an absolute beast of an app. It does, you know, doesn't just do syntax highlighting. and actually looks up the libraries and will tell you what functions exist in what libraries and stuff. Really nice. But it's a beast of an app. It even has a splash screen. It's so slow to load. And so if I'm just doing a teeny tiny little edit, I actually don't want Komodo, which is my default app. So I don't actually want to just double click on the PL and have Komodo fire up. I just want to use a lightweight, easy editor to just do a quick edit. And the one I love is called Smultron, which is the Mac App Store. So I would simply type open whatever the file is, minus A slash application slash Smultron 5. And hit enter, and then it'll open in Smultron. Hmm. And that's easier for you than double clicking it or right clicking and saying open with? Usually, because I'm going to be, I'm going to have a terminal window open with those files in it, where I'm going to be do, testing them. So I'm going to have the terminal there to test run my program. Oh, okay, right. So right. while I'm there, it actually makes a lot of sense. And the other place this is really useful is if you're writing Automator actions, because you can stick into Automator a shell script command. Oh, and so you I could use, say open. Exactly. Ah, okay. And in fact, you, the way Automator works is it passes things down through the workflow. So you, you know, if at some point in your workflow you're, there's a file being passed through, you can call open on that file. So it actually can be very helpful. So the open command is really nice, and it's a Mac-only thing. So yay, we're blessed. <laughs> okay, so that's, that's it as far as creating processes. So uh, now we get to destroy them. Ooh. Now, the command to do this is... It sounds scary, quite frankly. It's probably the most scary-sounding command of all the ones we're going to do. The command is kill. Hey, and right, right before we go into kill, even though mm-hmm. this is and now I'm, I'm, I'm keeping the tension. You hear that? Everybody wants to know that. Um, I was only one Firefox version behind, not three. Twenty-two is the latest one. Oh, I thought it was twenty-four. I could be wrong. Well, twenty-two is what it gave me. It may give you Wait, 23 why is it in say, few minutes. Oh my God, it is. Oh, downloading update. <laughs> and, you know, and it's only doing it when I do an about Firefox. That's what's causing it to happen each time. Because it's been sitting open it, at that it, for quite a while. It'll do it in the background in its own sweet time. But yeah. 
Okay. Anyway, it'll I will you keep while. everyone up to date throughout the show. I'll keep interrupting <laughs> and going. And now I'm on 20. No, I'm on 24 now. Look at that. That's ridiculous. Actually, That's stupid. That's not working right at all. I mean, I don't open well, it very often, so I could see being behind, but why didn't it take me right to 24? That was stupid. Goodness only knows. And uh, we're going to need Firefox again later on as we do more okay. examples. <laughs> okay. All right. But so anyway, now I, I, I stopped you, everybody, right when you got to kill the best command there is. Yes. So kill sounds scary. It sounds like the scariest command we've ever actually come across. But believe it or not, it's, it's actually one of the safer commands. Because although it sounds evil, what it actually does, if you don't give it any arguments, is it asks the app if it would kindly please close. It's a, it, it basically, it sends the app a signal, which is the equivalent to command Q. Oh, so it's more like command so, Q, not force quit? I assumed it was like exactly. force Exactly. So, uh, it can be, but we won't get to that just yet. But if you just use kill without any flags, it's just a command Q, effectively. So it's just a request to please exit. And that means that if an app has to save some stuff before it exits, it'll do that. It'll, it'll just close in an orderly fashion. So although it sounds vicious, it's actually fine. Oh, it's fun that they um, named it that, though. Hmm? It's fun that they named it that, though. It is much more fun to kill a command, yeah. Kill is good. Um, so let's, for the five millionth time, let's fire up Firefox again and background it. Okay. So blah, 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 ampersand. Enter, Firefox comes up. We have our terminal back. Now, if we scroll up, we can read off the process ID, or we can use PS, like we talked about last week, to get the process ID. But we need the process ID because the kill command takes as an argument one or more process IDs, and then it asks all of those processes to please stop running. Um, actually, now, remember last week you said that by def- the default output from PS was pretty useless. And you mm-hmm. said, oh, why is it like that? Run it now and see how useless it is. Oh, there's my process ID of exactly what I wanted. Right, because you started Firefox from the terminal, so it's in the default output from PS. Oh. By default, PS shows you everything you started in the terminal. Ah, so I'm not having to look at all the other glop. I was, I was wondering, why is it not showing, you know, Skype and million. Piezo and all yeah. those other things? Yeah, because yeah, oh. you didn't start those from the terminal, so you're not seeing them. Nice. So anyway, so you now have the process ID, and so you have Firefox open, so type kill space and then the process ID and hit enter. And you'll see that Firefox exits in an orderly fashion. Make sure I kill Firefox, not Bash. There it goes. Yeah, off it goes. So that's that. Um, looking up process IDs can be a bit annoying. So there is another command, which sounds even more scary, and it should be used with slightly more caution. It's the kill all command. Uh. And kill all takes as an argument not a process ID, but a, a process name. So in this case, so if you start up Firefox again, and I promise this is the last time I'm going to make you do this. Yeah, I like watching so, Firefox up, down, up, down, up. <laughs> poor Firefox. I don't know what's happening to it. I haven't been launched in months. And look All of a sudden. <laughs> so f- fire up Firefox again, and this time type kill all space Firefox dash bin. Okay. And you'll Firefox. notice it quitting again. Now, the thing to be careful of with kill all is because it takes a name... If you were to do kill all bash, all of your terminals would go away, not just one. Because as his name suggests, it will kill everything with that name. Now, for things like Firefox, where you're only going to be running one of them, that's probably okay. But sometimes you may just want to be a little more careful that kill all is a much blunter tool than kill. 
Now, on the Mac, most user-launched apps just are one thing, unlike Windows where you can have two copies of Excel running. Yes, you're right. So usually it's not an issue. But if, let's say, and we're not going to do it this week, but if at some stage in the future you're doing stuff as a super user, mm-hmm. and someone else is logged into your Mac who's also using Firefox, they might get a little cranky if you kill their Firefox. Oh, so if I had uh, fast user switching running and I had logged in as another account and I'd opened Firefox, it just killed it over there? Yeah, assuming you were doing it as a super user, you would have permission to, and yes, you would. Oh, but, but it'd have to be right super now, user. Because, Yeah, right now, because we're still running as ourselves, we'd only kill our own one, because we oh. don't have the rights to kill other people's ones. It's no fun. <laughs> kill all no super user. <laughs> yeah. So the kill all command, it's not, you know, compared to the ORM command, it's not dangerous, but just be a little more careful with it than uh, than you would with the kill command. I'm just glad they didn't name it, you know, Please, if you're not too busy, would you mind shutting down? <laughs> Kill. It's so much better. Yep. Yeah, it's less letters. All right. Okay, so up until now, we've been being very polite, and we've just been using Kill to ask the app if it would kindly please stop running. But if an app is locked up, if it's tied itself into a knot, then asking it nicely isn't going to achieve any more than, you know, hitting Command-Q to the not responding app, or trying to get to the quit menu in the not responding app, it's just not going to work because the app has tied itself in a knot. And so at that stage, we had to take out the big guns and there's a flag which is minus kill, as in minus kill in all kills, right? It's like you really are screaming at it, no, die! Uh, I love that. You know they were laughing when they wrote that, right? Yeah, they gotta be. And kill and kill all both take this minus kill! And this is the terminal equivalent of a force quit. So instead of asking the app, will you please stop? It's actually telling the operating system to stop the app. And so the operating system makes the process simply vanish and away goes the app. Uh, This is a, you don't do this first, right? You first try polite kill and then you try a not polite kill because you are going to lose unsafe data if you do this. It is a force quit after all. So don't do it first, but it will work if you need to take the big guns out. And uh, to those of you who've been around the block for a while, in ye olde Unix land, there was no such thing as kill all for a start, so everyone had to always look up process IDs. And secondly, kill didn't take nice Englishy arguments. Kill took a numeric argument. Uh, and it was minus nine is the equivalent to minus kill. Oh, wow. So I, feel, I feel old school because I knew kill minus nine. Yeah, I, 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 I grew up with kill minus nine too. Um, so kill minus nine is equivalent to kill minus kill. And on OS X and modern Linux's kill and kill all will accept minus nine or minus kill. Okay. Uh, but I always use minus kill. Yeah, it's more fun. Plus you get to yell. <laughs> yeah, you get to shout at people, which is good. Or shout at your apps, which are <laughs> I like it. So I do want to reiterate before we finish up that you do not use minus kill first. So the way I would say it is it's like you're in a nightclub and there's someone being rude. First you ask them to leave. Then you send the bouncer over. So first you run kill, and then you run kill minus kill. <laughs> and uh, that's where we're going to leave processes for now. We will revisit them. As I've hinted, when you're the root user, you can do a little bit more with processes. Mm-hmm. So we'll revisit them when, when we talk about you know giving ourselves root power. Um, but I, I didn't want to do rooty stuff too early in the series, because let's, let's stay in the, in the safety of not being root until we've learned enough, and then we can go be dangerous. I think that's so a we will really come good back. idea. <laughs> we will come back, but for now we're leaving it here. And so 
There's actually quite a few nice topics coming up soon, but I figure that we're, we've probably been at this long enough that we should take a take a moment next week or next time, which is in two weeks probably, mm-hmm. to have a look at the built-in user manual that's in all all Linux and Unix versions because you don't need a book to tell you what flags ls takes or whatever. You can actually find that straight from the command line, uh, but the output can be a bit cryptic. Oh, so, Bart, this is going to be, if if you teach me anything, this will be the one best piece I think I'm going to learn because I, I'm always going, okay, I need to know what the flags are. So I do, I, I do bring up the manual and I go, huh, okay, I'm going to go like play with Photoshop or something, you know, because <laughs> yeah, I never know what it means. They Well, there's a few things going on. So the, there's, there's a sort of the... And believe it or not, it's actually an unspecified syntax for for what those angle brackets. They all have meanings. All of those things, the pipe and the angle bracket. They have, oh, they I'm have sure a, they do. <laughs> Un, uninterpretable by me. Yeah. So we'll look at that. And also, there's actually a common structure to all of the man pages. And once you get used to them, you're actually fine. But someone does need to give you the manual to the manual. Good. I can't <laughs> which is, wait. That's very sensible. But that is what's needed. So that's what we'll do next time. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. That's something I've always wanted. Now, you know, all the Linuxy geeks I know, well, just look in the man pages, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's, ah. <laughs> I still remember one of the funniest things. It didn't go down very well, but we were, you know, we were snotty postgraduate students mm-hmm. or grad students, as you'd call them. Mm-hmm. And um, one, of, one of the lecturers came in and went, does anyone know how to use grep? And someone shouted, man, grep! <laughs> didn't go down well. Didn't go down well at all. I bet, I bet. All right, Bert. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, hey, you had a great kickoff of uh, Let's Talk Apple, your new podcast, right? Well, it's up to you to say whether it's great or not. It, it kicked <laughs> off. Um, the, Tell people again I where have, they can find that. Yeah, so if you go to letstalk.ie, you'll see the, the homepage. Or if you just search Let's Talk Apple on the iTunes store, the podcast is in iTunes now. Yay. Uh, and then so, let's see, this next week you're going to launch the other one? Yes, so I am. I'm actually assembling a panel at the moment, and so next weekend I'll be launching Let's Talk Photography. So basically, the way it's going to work is that the middle of every month there'll be a Let's Talk Photography episode, and the end of every month there'll be a Let's Talk Apple episode. And the reason for that is that Let's Talk Apple is about the big picture. So it's we're not trying to compete with Ken Ray because you can't out Ken Ray. Ken Ray, if you want to deliver Apple news, Ken is doing it better than anyone else. So that niche is filled. What we're trying to, what I'm trying to do is at the end of every month, look back, look at the big picture for what's been going on in the month, sort of assemble the new stories together into story arcs almost, and then just discuss that with really smart people from the Apple community. So for the first show, we had, um, Steve Stanger, we had Gazmaz, and we had Adam Christensen. Three very smart people, and needless to say, we had a great conversation. I thought it was really, really good. Definitely enjoyed it. I'm looking, now the photography one, uh, let's talk photography is going to be mm-hmm. a little different too. What is it yeah. you're specifically going to focus on? It's going to be on the art and craft of photography, which translates as we're not talking about gear. It is not Ooh. a show about why Lightroom is better than Photoshop. It is not a show about why Canon is better than Nikon. It's not a show about the nice new lens Sigma just released. It's a show about the art and craft of photography, about making photos. Well, and but that means you can still talk gadgets here. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, that too. But th- there are so many shows about all of the latest photography gear I just, I didn't think that was needed to have another one of those. But what is good is to talk about, you know, I mean, people, whether you make photographs on pieces of silver salts, like we did 100, 200 years ago, or whether you do it with a state of the art digital camera, 
the actual art of photography is still the art of photography and you can still talk about that regardless of equipment. And that's really where I want to take that show. That sounds really fun. And I've seen uh, some of the people who've signed up and, uh, you know, I love you to pieces, but I can't wait to hear them too. Absolutely. So it, it, I'm, I'm hoping that that'll be good fun. And it, it gives me something to, you know, because I, I don't like to do too much photography on this show because I know that it's not really what the show's about. So now I have a proper outlet for that. So <laughs> Right, right, right. I like it anyway. So uh, looking forward to that. And that's again is at uh, let's-talk.ie. Exactly. Oh, Our, I should say until next time, happy computing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Taming the Terminal. Remember that all of the information you've been hearing is available as text tutorials at barb.ie slash ttt. If you'd like to contact us, you can write to allison at podfeed.com or podcasting at bartificer.net.